The program you are about to hear has been pre-recorded for airing at this time. Please hold all phone calls. Once again, this is a pre-recorded program. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Pastor Joseph E. Terry, Jr., And I'm in for Sister Nina today because she's out doing ministry somewhere else. And, of course, you know she's doing ministry. You're listening to Save the Lost at All Costs. You want to uh, tune in and please call in. And I want to give you the call-in numbers if you're local. You can call 702 650-5588 again 702-650-5588 and the toll free number is 800-366-8883 again 800-366-8883 if you are calling out of the area again I want you to Make sure that you let everybody know, your friends and your family, to tune in to us at KKVV 1060 AM. But we also have an eight, an FM feed if you want to listen to us on FM at 100.1 FM. You can hear us there as well. If you've missed any of the broadcasts in the past, you can also you can listen to those and it won't cost you anything. You can go to www.savethelostlv.org. Again, www.savethelostlv.org. And you can look for the radio broadcast, and then you can pick which ones you want to listen to. The gospel is always free on our watch. Also, you can listen to the broadcast from KKVV's website as well. And I want to also give you a little information here. Um, if you have a listening device, uh, your cell phone, uh, a wireless device, you can also listen to the broadcast on the wireless device. The number would be 605-313-0630. Again, 605-313-0630. I want to share with you today our topic, and our topic today is why the struggles of the church continues. Again, our topic is why the struggles of the church continues. If you have your Bibles near, and I pray that you do, I want to send a shout out to uh, my wife, 
um, Desiree. Uh, she is the queen of my heart and the queen of my home. My mother named her Desiree, but I call her queen. And then also to the New Bethel Baptist Church, where I'm serving as an elder there. And we have what we call the Bethel, the New Bethel Experience. And we would like to invite you to come out. We have services on Sunday at 10 a.m., Bible study on Tuesdays at 6 a.m. The address is 400 West Adams, and that would be at Adams and D Street. We look forward to you coming out and worshiping with us, studying with us. We certainly are trying to address some of the issues that I'll be talking about today. And again, the topic is why the church, why the struggles of the church continues. So if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is going to give you a really good idea of what we're still dealing with today. That's the reason why the topic is why the struggles of the church continues because there has been struggles ever since the church came into being and hasn't changed matter of fact we probably have some that they didn't have back in the day because of all of the technology and everything that we have now matter of fact the respect that people have for the church today is nothing like what it used to be and here we find ourselves struggling as as we have for I don't know how many years we can go back to the first century of uh, church and we're struggling uh, to get along with one another in in most cases. Now, I'm, I'm coming from this letter that Paul has written and Paul always, it seems like he always have these great salutations that he delivers to the people of God. And he starts out that way in most of his letters. And, you know, Paul seems to be uh, the, the civil type of individual. And the way I see it is that, I guess you could say, he really don't want to make trouble, but there's a problem. And he needs to confront that problem. He needs to address that issue. And so he always opened up with these great salutations. You would think, man, everything is going great. Nothing could be going wrong. And then he gets to a point, he says, but there's a problem. So here's how he opens up in this letter. In verse 1, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 1, it reads this way, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenus, our brother. Now, Sothenus uh, was probably Paul's secretary. Uh, as John MacArthur put it, Dr. John MacArthur put it, a former leader of the Corinthian synagogue who had become a brother in Christ. On one occasion, he was beaten for bringing Paul before the civil court at Corinth. And you can get that information or you can find that in Acts 18, 12 through 17. Amen. However, 
he goes on, Paul goes on with his salutation. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Man, that just sounds really just too good. Called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, for those of you who might be watching as we stream live, because we do stream live, you can see me in the studio. I was supposed to have a guest. I'm waving at you. Hello. Uh, my guest apparently had difficulty arriving, but you know that the word must go on. Amen. Anyway, Paul goes on in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 4, he goes on. Man, he's really building these people up. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you verse 7 so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me put a pen in it right there. This sounds so great. Paul has really encouraged and built up these people, by now they ought to be feeling like they are on top of the clouds. They ought to be feeling real good about themselves. But then here he comes back with this in verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of clothes household, that there are contentions. Make a note of that. Contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm going to stop right there and we can kind of look into what Paul has already covered. So Chloe happens uh, to have been a prominent person 
in the Corinthian church who had written or come to visit Paul in Ephesus to tell him of the the factions in the church. Now, we're talking about uh, this term sectarianism, which is really what we refer to in churches as cliques, where you've got groups within the church. Now, the church should be on one accord. The church should be looking at things with the same mind. They ought to be those that make up the church. And I'm talking about the local church. I mean, I mean, we could get technical and we could talk about the universal church of Christ, which would be the true Catholic church, not the Roman Catholic church, but the true Catholic church is the universal church or body of Christ. Uh, we are supposed to be all on the same page. We're supposed to uh, have the same mind. We're supposed to think alike. Uh, we, we're supposed to govern ourselves alike. But the only way that happens is when we are doing that based on the word of God. But we've got too many folks with bright ideas. And so folks are getting caught up in this sectarian mindset because uh, they're in some way in their minds believe they're competing with one another. There's no competition. We're all in it together for the same purpose. It ought to be for the kingdom, and we ought to be involved in the kingdom work or the kingdom agenda so that we could lead people to Christ. But instead, folk are fighting amongst each other and vying for power. That don't sound like a divine presence. No, that sounds carnal to me. So Chloe delivered this message to Paul about the conduct of the believers at the church of Corinth. And I'm pretty sure there are some listeners out there that probably can... Uh, agree with me that they have the same issues going on in the church where they are members and where they worship. Maybe some of you have been a part of those type of groups. I want to warn you today that it leads to a whole lot of trouble. Because the church, to grow numerically, those who are already a part of the church should be coming together and we must grow spiritually before we can grow successfully in a numerical manner because the folks who come in, when they see the kind of mess that Paul was addressing in this church, then they come in the front door, generally they go right out the back door. So here's a couple of things. Actually, there's three things I want to point out. Okay, in, in the first one um, is apparent what Paul is dealing with. And what he's dealing with is, at first, we're not on one accord. We're supposed to be. But we're not. If we If we look at 
these verses, if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, we can clearly see that there's a problem with the membership that they're not on one accord. I've had a similar experience. Folks that are part of the church, they're really not going to do much. They really don't want to do much. And when somebody else comes in who God has ordained and who God has anointed and they get busy working and they're making things happen, then the other folk that was there get upset because they're getting too much recognition. Well, if you would do something, if you'd get up and, and do some kingdom work, if you get involved in the kingdom agenda, you wouldn't have to be threatened or feel threatened that somebody's going to replace you or somebody's going to uh, get accolades ahead of you. We all have to come together. When we come together and we working together as one, it, it, it's a system. Especially if we are abiding by the, uh, the biblical doctrine. It is a system. And in this case... It's a living system. So what I want to do is I, I want to point out here the next thing that, that we struggle with. We're not functioning according to the wisdom of God. If we move over to chapter 2, and we're still in 1 Corinthians, but if we move over to chapter 2, we see in the beginning of chapter 2, we're at verse 1, and, it's, and it reads, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimonies of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. See, we need to catch that in our spirit. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordains before the ages for our glory, which, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. If we would pay attention to what the Word of God is teaching us, if we would pay attention to what the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is revealing to us about God himself. And we wouldn't get caught up into folks that sound good. And there are some very convincing speakers, great orators. And they are sincere. 
And many of them are sincerely wrong, but they sound good. And we get caught up in the wisdom of men. Just cause somebody sound good, that does not necessarily mean that the information they're delivering to you is legitimate. We need to know the word of God. We need to spend time in the word of God. We need to go and we need to search out and confirm that what that great speaker is saying actually line up with scripture. And that's not happening. And then we want to know why the struggles of the church continues. Well, this is one of the greatest reasons why. Because we have individuals that are listening to somebody that don't know the word of God themselves, because if they did, they would properly exegete it. That means that they would draw out the truth, and then those who are listening would be encouraged, and they would grow thereby. There's a lot of preaching going on, and a lot of teaching, and a lot of it is in error, and the people that are witnessing it are not growing, and they're not growing because They are not doing it by the wisdom of God, but by the wisdom of men. And it's sad. And we want to know why the struggles of the church continues. Here's here's a third thing that I want to point out. If we look at chapter 3. If we look at chapter 3, we're still in 1 Corinthians. And I know I'm skipping um, much because... Uh, there, there's there's much to learn and and to grow by in chapters one and two, but unfortunately we don't have all day on this show. We got about fifty minutes, and you know I'm gonna slow it down a little bit because I want you to catch up. I was hoping I'd get some callers. If you're not scared out there. Um, if you call in to challenge me, make sure you got your Bible and make sure you know what you're talking about. But if you call in because you're in agreement, I would appreciate that. If you call in because you have a comment, because I'm sure I've missed something. I don't have all the answers. I have some. But I would like those of you who are listening out there that have some of the answers to call in. And we'd like to get your feedback or your input. But again... Why the struggles of the church continues. If we look at the third chapter in this first letter, listen to what Paul is saying. And we're in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk. And not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. Verse 3, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, listen to this, strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal? And behaving like mere men. When it says behaving like mere men, it's talking about folks that aren't even saved. When you're conducting yourself in a manner that is no different than lost people, who's going to listen to your report? 
Who want to hear you preach? Who want to hear you teach? And you're talking about, I'm a Christian. You don't really need to tell nobody you're a Christian if your life is led and brought a conclusion that that's what you are. But most people are not going to listen to our sermon or listen to our teaching as closely as they're going to watch our lifestyle. Let me take you to another place so you can understand this. Because finally here we're not interested in the word of God and knowing it and living by it. That's really the ultimate problem. The word of God, the book that we call the Holy Bible, is God's instruction manual on how we should live. And the churches. Every, every church ought to have somebody in it that has formal training. And I'm not saying that every leader in the church has to have formal training. Not every pastor has to have a seminary degree. But he ought to have somebody on his staff that has one. I remember listening to T.D. Jakes. And I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm a real big T.D. Jakes fan. I do respect him. But he was being interviewed by some of the media in Dallas. And I happened to live there at the time. And I, I, I'd been to his worship service a couple of times. I had to do that when I was doing my master's at Southwestern. Um, and that was part of the requirements that we go to place of worship that we wouldn't normally attend. And then we had to write a thesis on what we experienced. And he was being questioned by this media person and the young lady, uh, made it a point to, you know, to point out that he had all this authority and, you know, at that particular time, I think he was supposed to have had uh, twenty-five or 30,000 members. And she wanted to know from him, um, you know, Bishop Jakes, you know, you're a man with a lot of authority. And you have doctors and lawyers and entertainers and pro sports athletes attending uh, your church. And I was just curious, you only have a bachelor's degree. Is that right? And I just wonder how can a man with a bachelor's degree have the kind of authority that you have and have the type of membership you have with all of these prominent people and things. And he says, well, yeah, you're right. He says, but I've got PhDs and master's degrees on my staff, so I don't need one. Well, it kind of made sense to me. Because whatever he was lacking in, he had the proper personnel who could bring that to the table. So I'm speaking to somebody out there because there's a lot of churches with pastors, and some of them 
I don't know, they may not even have a high school diploma, and I'm not saying that that's required. Uh, when God calls you, he equips you. If he called you, it's a whole lot of folks, I believe, and call themselves. But when God calls you, he does equip you. But here's what I believe as well. It's such an awesome task and position to be called to. And here's how I saw it. When, when I was pastoring and I pastored, I was in church planting. I, I pastored a, a number of churches, multiple churches, because I was planting churches. But the one thing when God called me that I was more concerned about than anything else was that I knew the word of God. And when I stood before people, I would know what I'm talking about because somebody's eternal destiny is going to be in my hands. I needed to know when I stood up before God's people and before lost folks, what I'm talking about. So here's what I want to do. I want to share something with you from Ephesians chapter 4. And for those of you who are listening, keep in mind that this letter to the church at Ephesus was an encyclical letter. It went out to all the churches in Asia Minor. So it wasn't just for the churches in, in Ephesus, but it was for all of the churches. And here's what I want you to, to do. Just listen to this. We're in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And then what he does is after he says, here's what I'm pleading with you to do, because the word beseech there is the word parakaleo. It means that he's pleading with them. And then when he says, Walk worthy. The word walk there is the word parapteo, and it's not talking about advancing by steps, but it's talking about uh, your manner of life, your lifestyle. The word worthy is the word axios, which means equal measure. So really he's saying let your walk match your talk. If you say you are a believer, if you say you're Christian, your lifestyle ought to say the same. Then he says of the calling for which you were called. And then he says with all lowliness, okay, now this word here is, is, is a, a difficult word, tapinophrosone, and, and it's talking about one who will vacate down, one who takes a, a lesser position, one who is, is, is demonstrating humility. And then it goes on to say, and gentleness. And a, a lot of people get it confused. Uh, I believe if you're reading the King James, it would be the word meekness. The word is protitos. It, it's talking about one who has power, but chooses not to utilize that power if it's going to be against someone. 
So this is like power under control. You got the power. Jesus was on the cross. He had the power to call down a legion of angels and wipe out all of those folks that were involved with that uh, crucifixion and everything. But what he did was he opted not to do that because he was on a mission. And then the next thing it says with long suffering macrothamia this is one that you know we give up on folks we we don't we don't give folks much much time if somebody cross us we we mark them off our friend list Aren't you glad God is not like that? Because we've messed up with him so many times. We should have been marked off a long time ago. But praise God that he's not like we are. Then it says bearing with one another in love. What well, a word there or the, this whole phrase here uh, is, is well, the term is in that go. And it's, it, it, here's the picture that it gives you. Uh, many of you have seen an ant carrying something. It, it always seems to be a lot bigger than the ant. But that's how we ought to be when it comes to our brethren, our brothers or our sisters. We ought to be willing to carry that burden regardless of what they're going through. Sometimes what we do, or more often than not what we do, is we criticize them rather than reaching out to them and trying to help them. But we ought to be like that ant carrying that whatever that big piece of whatever he or, or that ant needs. We need to be doing the same thing for our brethren. And that's what this is talking about, bearing with one another in love. We, we're, we're not doing it because we are uh, condoning what they do or we like what they do. No, no, we're doing it because we're doing it in love. And then it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, the problem is, is that there's very little unity in the church today. Oh, we come together and and, and, and we give a hug. And uh, for those who are not offended by it, a kiss on the cheek. And we greet one another. But the truth be told, if... Folks knew what everybody was thinking. We would discover that 70% or more of the folk walking in are not really on one accord. And we want to know why the struggles of the church continues. This is it. Now, let's go back. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, you, you, you're going you're gonna to love this one. Maybe not. Now, I'm at verse 9. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Okay, I'm going to stop there, but I'm not done. We're going to go on and we're going to read several more verses in this chapter. But I just want to deal with that. When we see the, the, the phrase sexually immoral, that could be fornication. It could be adultery. It could be homosexuality. 
It could be lesbianism. It could be any of those. One word, one word, pornea, covers all of those. That's where we get the word pornography. But he says here, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Now, listen, we don't need to divide those groups because they all falling under the same thing. The one that's committing fornication, the one that's committing adultery, the one that's caught up in homosexuality, listen to me. I, I mean, I love everybody. But one of those groups are no different than the other. They all sinning. It's all sin. I love them, but number one, I'm not going to condone it. Number two, I'm not going to go along with it. And number three, it violates the word of God, so I'm against it. So if you want to live with somebody and be sexually active with them and you're not married to them, you're, you're sinning. If you married and you're sleeping with somebody else, then please don't tell me that God sent them to you. Because you're sinning. And if you caught up in homosexuality, I love you. But you're sinning. It's that simple. So he goes on in verse 10. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. He's saying, look, I'm not talking about the lost people. I'm not talking about the folks who have not coming to the ark of safety, who have not received the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about believers. Somebody out there ought to hear what I'm saying. I'm really, really uh, shocked that I haven't gotten any calls. I'm shocked. Because this is real talk. This is real Christian radio talk. Okay, we're talking about the word of God, not what I'm saying, but what the word is saying. It says here, the only way you could avoid these things is that you'd have to leave this world. That means that you done crossed over. You done died and you done crossed over. You're not here no more. But it's not uh, talking about all the folks that are a part of the world. Or we could say in the world. Because all of us are in the world, but those of us who've come to Christ shouldn't be of the world. Somebody ought to get it. Verse 11 says, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. (coughs) Whenever you see the term brother, a brethren is talking about believers who is sexually immoral or covetous. That's wanting what belongs to somebody else. It's all right to want what somebody else have the same thing, but not theirs. Or an idolater. And that, that that's just right there. A wreck. Okay? Because this is somebody worshiping other gods. We know the first commandment is have no other gods before me. This is not uh, Pastor Terry. This is scripture or a a reveler 
This is a partying troublemaker. They have, they, they delight in causing and wreaking havoc. Or a drunkard. Now, there are different types of drunks. But I can tell you this. There's not a good one. A drunk can only be trouble. Or an extortioner. This is a thief. Not even to eat with such a person. Now see, you know what? If we really, if we really followed the word of God, man, because this right here just gave instructions. All of these different sinful acts that folks practice, it says, look, if a person say they're a believer and they do these things, don't even eat with them. Now, I didn't say that. That's what Paul is saying. And somebody said, well, Paul is not God. Well, look, he said over in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction and righteousness. Correction and instruction in righteousness. And the word inspiration is the word theonustos. It means God breathed. If you got an NIV, you can read it and see it for yourself. So whether you making reference to the Old Testament or to the New Testament, all scripture is given by God because he breathed it into the prophets. And when the prophets were through speaking, he breathed it into the apostles, the Didache. That was the apostles teaching. Man, I hope I'm helping somebody out there. We wonder why the struggles of the church continues. Because we really aren't confronting these issues. Most pastors are, are afraid to preach from this stuff. Because they'll upset somebody that's a big giver and they might stop giving. So the first thing that we covered, we arrived at this. We're not on one accord. We saw that in the first chapter. Then in the second chapter, we, we saw that we're not functioning according to the wisdom of God, but really the wisdom of men. And that's bad. No other way to put it. Bad choice. Finally, we're not interested in knowing the word of God. I can tell you, I've been, I don't know how many different churches, and I've had more of them than not to tell me, we don't need to know all of that. Now, I don't know how you come to know God unless you spend time with him. It's like any other person. You only come to know people when you spend time with them. And the only way we can really spend time with God is in his word because there's revelation in his world. That just means God is revealing himself to us through his word. Now I wonder what it's going to take for the church to wake up. And there's a process that when we know that a brother or sister is caught up in sin, there's a process. I'm going to take you to it. We're going to Matthew chapter 18. Okay. I hope you're following me. 
I don't want you to say that I was making it up. Because that's the excuse a lot of folk use when they don't want to really live by the word of God. So we in chapter 18, and we're looking at verse 15, and here's how it reads. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now somebody's saying, well, wait a minute. If somebody's just committing sin, then that they're not sinning against me. Well, I, I have you to reconsider that. Because in this book, and it would take a minute for me to uh, come up with the address. It, it tells us not to do anything that would cause our brother to stumble. And if you are practicing sin before your brother or before a lost person, you're setting a bad example. But it says here, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Here's what verse 16 says. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So get somebody to act as a mediator, and hopefully they have a piece of brain with the word of God embedded. And they can establish what's just, what's moral, what's godly. Verse 17 says, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, I need you all to listen out there. It's not telling you to go to the open congregation and just tell the open congregation. No, you're going to a mature group of folk the elders or the deacons, you're going to somebody who is mature because some folk can't handle this because they're babes in Christ. But then he goes on to say, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Hopefully you all can hear what the word of God is saying. But I've given you a portion of some of you might think bad news. I think it's good news because we need to straighten things out and address the statement why the struggles of the church continues. But here's what I believe may be a solution. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. No, i tell you what. Make that chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If we're going to deal with not being on one accord, if we're going to deal with not functioning accordingly, according to the wisdom of God, if we're going to deal with those not interested in knowing 
and in executing and functioning in the word of God, then here's what needs to happen. We're in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affect, notice he keeps saying if, if any affection and mercy, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Well, that solves problem number one, not being on one accord. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3, letting nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself or themselves. Man, that is a tall order. That is a tall order. That's the problem. Folks are more caught up with what they're doing. How they want to be viewed. How they want to be worshipped. When folks are supposed to be worshipping Jesus. And not the people. Back when we were over there reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it talked about Apollos. And it talked about uh, 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 Cephas. And it talked about Christ. Well Cephas is referring to Peter. So let's see. When when Apollos preached. The Apollos group will show up. When Peter preached. Well Peter's group will show up. Then when Jesus preached, you got the group that will show up and say, well, I'm really getting it because I'm coming when Jesus preached. Well, we don't have the luxury of Jesus preaching to us today. God has put men in our lives and women in our lives that bring the gospel forward. Most of the time, those who are receiving it, their hearts aren't in the right place. Rather than receiving a word, they're critiquing the speaker. But here, he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's verse 3, Philippians 2 and 3. Verse 4, watch this. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Oh my God, that's a tall order. With a world like this, look out for number one. Have it your way. Get yours before they get it. This is a tall order. He goes on to say this. Good God Almighty, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. 
Now, if Jesus could do that, what should we be doing? I'm talking to the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. If you say you love Jesus, and if you say you love the church that you're a member of, you ought to be exercising these principles. This is the word of God. That's what we're supposed to live by. Somebody told me Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. Are you following this instruction manual on how to live? Or are you living by your own counsel? If you're struggling with anything, first of all, if you're out there listening to this broadcast and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, Master, and Savior, I would like for you to pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I don't want to be anymore. I confess with my mouth, you are Lord over all. I believe in my heart, God raised you from the dead. Come into my life, be my Lord, be my master, most of all, be my savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you prayed that prayer, you need to go to your church or find a church that's teaching and preaching the word of God. Tell the pastor you prayed to receive Jesus Christ and you want to be baptized. I want to encourage all of you that are listening to tell somebody else about Save the Lost at all costs. And I want you to continue to listen. God bless you. Save the Lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas' very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 a.m. and 100.1 f.m. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is... 
833-5852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ. Stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.